Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy's with us in studio for a show that is all about helping you avoid falling prey to scam artists and fraudsters today. Since I mentioned my near miss a couple of weeks ago with a fake website, we've had a lot of listeners asking the same thing. What am I meant to be looking for? How do we spot them and not get taken in? So I've asked Wendy to put together a bit of advice for us today. We're going to start there. And then a little bit later on, we'll talk about a new tool that has just, just been released that can take some of the risk out of buying a second-hand car. It's an issue that came up when we were talking about that new app screen the other day, identifying the VIN number of the vehicle to see whether it's ever been in a serious accident. There is now a platform you can use to do that with some limitations. We'll tell you all about that. And then I hope there'll be time for some open line calls a bit later in the hour on 021-446-0567. You can also send a WhatsApp to 072 Welcome, Wendy. Always great to have you here. Thanks, Pippa. Always good to be here. Now, I shared a few weeks ago how I so, so nearly got taken in Mm. by an online store that looked like it was a genuine platform for Skechers sneakers, but it was actually fake. And I know I'm not the only one that this has happened to. You keep on getting emails like this, don't you? And shoes seem to be a big one. Yeah. I heard from an old friend of mine since after your sharing of your story yeah. I forget it was Nikes or something that he wanted to buy and he's an attorney and he prides himself oh, on being pretty sussed and he said he thought he'd done his due, due diligence but they're not arriving and he's getting oh. the out of stock and he just said you know, and I went to the site and I said uh, there's no physical address did you, did you spot that the, the spelling mistake da, da, da. and he went oh okay Lesson learned. So just this morning when I was preparing for the show, I got an email from Johan, which went like this. Hi, Wendy. Got scammed by a website called Doctors Martins South Africa. (laughs) I mean, there's the clue right there. I ordered shoes. You get a tracking number. I paid 1,400 Rand, went to speed services. But this is the part I've not heard before. He didn't just not get the shoes, which is what I've come to expect. He did get... Um, he did get something, um, a little packet of cheap sunglasses <laughs> two months later. You've got to kind I of mean, grudgingly admire the audacity the of audacity. sending fake sunglasses. Really? Wow. But why, go, why do that? It's I mean, bizarre. Totally bizarre. Must be a reason. Anyway, obviously I did not accept them, said Johan. I saw on Hello Peter that the same thing happened to two other people. Can you help? The email keeps bouncing back from them. There is no other means of getting hold of them. Make that three other people because Ian has just oh, WhatsApp to say, Ian. we think we've been taken by Doc Martin's shoes, bought boots for my daughter, 2,700 rand. Is there anything we can do? Keep listening, Ian. You're not alone. Yes, Wendy, you not. also went on to Hello Peter. I there did. were others too. I saw the two there that Johanna was talking about. One person noted they have gone to a lot of effort to set the site up and it looks legit. But once you've paid your order, there is no way to contact them and you will never get your goods. So there's no way to contact them. That is the first thing. Mm. Before, I know it's exciting to buy online. I do it. Sometimes I do it at midnight, you know, stupidly in mm. bed. It, it, You know, but... Um, if you you have to assume that something's going to go wrong, even if it's not a scam, that there's a delay in delivery. So it says they tell you ten to fourteen days or whatever the promises. It doesn't happen. Try and contact them before you pay, just even to ask something trivial, random question. Yeah. If you can't engage with someone within a reasonable period of time, I would say forty-eight hours max, either by email or phone or something, then. It's not worth the risk, yeah. unless it's a huge 
you know, a take a lot where you it has a, a track record or a TFG or something like that where you One know the platforms, they yeah. have a reputation to uphold and you are going to get redress at, if even if wrong. you have to come to somebody like me to get it. It's going yeah. to happen, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. Anyway, so I went on to Scam Watcher. They have yeah. a similar warning. All fake. This domain changes regularly. Be on the lookout for new domains. So if only... Johan had checked one of these platforms before he placed his order. He could have saved himself that money. I'm not sure if those two Hello P said he waited two months and then only got the sunglasses. So maybe those other reviews um, weren't there, weren't there originally. But, cause mm. he, yeah, but I'm guessing as what normally happens, people know about Hello Peter, for example, but they only think to check after, after. they've been had. So let's just take a closer look at that site he was engaging with and identify some of the red flags which stand as a warning here. Okay, Wendy, you've already mentioned the lack of the contact info. There was no phone number, there was no, no email. It was a web form. Only a web form. Do you remember, was that the case with your sketches experience or was somebody else we talked about this, the web form? You can't get hold of them. There's, there's no phone number, there's not even an email address. Those are the worst. That's a big red flag. So yeah. an email address only is not great because legally, according to the electronic Communications and Transactions Act, ECTA, they must have a physical address. They've got to have a whole lot of things which we talk about yeah. often. Um, but I would say physical address is the number one thing you must absolutely look for. And then Google it. See what it is. Phone, if you can't see it, um, put the name of the street in. Google it. Find another company in the area. If there is one, phone them. And, and in many cases, they say, oh, yes, no, it doesn't exist. We have so many people coming here looking for them. Yeah. It's, a, it's a few minutes of your time. And it's worth it to save the money. It really is. You, you, as I say, it. you yeah. have to assume the worst before your investigations uh, prove otherwise if they do because it's so easy for people to set up a fake site or yeah. to set up a, a, a rogue site that's just about – taking your money and not delivering what you paid for. Okay, so the, the contact information, really, really crucial. If your only way with engaging uh, with a supplier is via a contact form on the website, be very sceptical. Wendy, the second big red flag is the price. Now, Ian's just said, we bought boots for my daughter for 2,700 Rand. I'm a big Doc Martens fan. Um, Ditto. Uh, I think I've said before that I saved up my very first scra- you know, scrapings of waitressing earnings. The very first thing I bought for myself was a pair of Doc Martin boots. And Ian, I think they were close to 2,000 Rand then, back in 1994 when that happened. Yeah. So that With price. change right now. Yeah, it would be a I lot more. Yeah. For a, I looked on a, a UK site, and genuine one. And. The very cheapest I could find uh, for a boot was around three two, in rands. Three in rands, equivalent okay. to rand. I would say that two seven isn't quite as an alarming a red flag as in Johan's case. He paid fourteen hundred rand. It's never going to be. It's less than half the price. Yeah. It's less than half the price. So, and what Much was suspicious, less. Wendy, is it's, it wasn't just a case of there's one pair of size nine jade boots left. Absolutely That's an overrun the whole, at the end of the season. The entire range which was, is so on, hard was on sale. To, to, yeah. If you have in South Africa, I mean, the last two pairs I bought were overseas. You know, it's it's difficult. And I, I track the prices a lot because I've got my eye on one particular <laughs> pair. So I'm, I'll be very hard to catch with Doc Martens, but so would anyone be if they did their homework. So you have to know what it's whether it's a pair of Doc Martin boots or whatever, mm. Nike sneakers, whatever it is that, that takes your fancy. Just spend a few minutes finding out, go to legitimate sites. Um, and it's usually the international brands uh, that people... 
Fall, 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 yes, fall. because we're desperate to get our hands on them and they cost a small fortune. Yes. So Simone makes a very good, uh, interesting point on the WhatsApp. She says she presumes they sent those cheap sunglasses just so that there could be a tracking number to make the transaction seem real. So maybe well, that buys more time for them to get away that. with it. Yes, but if you're going to issue a chargeback, and I don't know, that's the other thing. You must yep. always pay with a credit card so that you don't get what you paid for. You can, you can issue a chargeback yeah. if that bank account is hasn't been cleaned out of all its money. But... Um, if in this case they they could say well here's the tracking number we sent something but I mean the recipient could prove hello here's a photograph of of sunglasses I actually ordered boots so yeah it doesn't doesn't I, it wash, doesn't wash. Yeah. but yeah. so anyway there's obviously some reason. Okay, so Wendy. Okay, let's just recap again. Pricing, um, realistic pricing being one thing. Contact details being another. The other big issue that you flagged many times before is being careful about the URL or the uh, the website address that is in the bar. So just to recap what happened to me, I clicked on a link that said sketchessouthafrica.co.za, but where it actually took me was sketchessouthafia.co.za. Yes, there, was a, there was a letter missing, and you just cited the same thing. It was Docs Martins, South yes, Africa. Docs, and actually, doctors, plural. As that scam watcher um, warned, that domain is gone. I couldn't find it. I could okay. only find the Hello Peter and the scam warnings about it. But I did find another one called... Uh, where is it in my notes? Okay, some, it was, it was something very It was something. Similar. It was yeah. DRM, South Africa. Yeah, it was also... And that... Um, was was uh, also offering yes it was mm. the, the entire range and for one two one three like with the sketches side the red line through the original price but even the original price was way too low so it's not a bargain it's a scam basically okay. when that happens so check that address very very carefully now Wendy the good news is there is actually a brand new platform that might be a bit of a reference point for help here I believe it's it's South African okay. and it's new it's just launched in the last month or two by the South African Fraud Prevention Service SAFPS um, very legitimate uh, renowned organisation mm-hmm. in South Africa they reported incidentally a 600% increase in, in, in fraud, scam site, etc. incidents reported by their members last year when compared to 2018. So it's a four-year gap, but still 600%. It's a huge percent. increase. Yeah. So they've launched Yima and you can find it, Yima as in Sizulu for stop, y- okay. za. And it's intended to be a one-stop shop for South Africans to report scams to scan any website, so you put the URL in and you and you look for vulnerabilities related to scams, and you can also get clued up on what we're talking about today and how to identify a scam. And this is the interesting bit: the reports will be collated and shared with law enforcement for investigation. Oh. Um, and you, there's also a scams hotline to report a fraudulent uh, incident directly to banks, retailers, or insurance companies via a single number. So that's important to go on that site, spend a little bit of time looking around, familiarizing yourself with it. I did put that DRM, Dr. M, in, and it came up um, saying um, not blacklisted. Oh, gosh. But that's because the site is so new and people are still learning about it. So nobody's reported so it. So Johan needs to report it. I can't report it because they want details of my experience. And I didn't, wasn't, that didn't wasn't have the experience story. firsthand. So I, I really want to say to people, if you've been caught, and so many of us have, is to go onto Yima and and do it. Think of it as a community service. A lot mm. of people will say when they write us, Pippa, I know I'm not going to get my money back, but I want to prevent other people. This is a very um, 
practical way practical of way yeah. effective way of, of doing it so i really like yima to become seared into our consciousness as you know look at seeing to check whether something's fraudulent to report when we've had such experience and to all help each other um get get ahead of these fraudsters okay so yima is y-i-m-a yima.org.za here's another great example of the url issue wendy how easy it is to fall for it when there's just the slightest change somebody messaged to say i was scammed on www.wallworths with one o www.wallworths.za.com i was searching for something on woolies i was searching for woolies and a 70 percent off sale caught my eye and Woolies does have those sometimes. Yes, at the end of the season. <laughs> yes. But it's for the odd size of exactly. the odd item not here the and there, not range. the entire range is the, is the, the definitive uh, differentiator. Wendy, obviously the payment platform is another thing. That was what, what stopped me in my tracks when I almost made the mistake of ordering on that fake sketches yep. site. When I got to payment, something just felt a little bit off about the payment platform. Thank heavens for that because it's what made me go and double check and look at the URL and realize what was about to happen. The legitimate platforms are unfortunately quite easily and regularly spoofed, aren't they? Exactly. So, for example, PayPal can and is regularly spoofed. And so what happens is they, the scammers create a domain that includes the words paypal.com. So you see that, glance over it and think, all right, it's PayPal. And that fools you into thinking it's legit- legitimate. The actual domain for such a website, which you can see if you look in the URL bar, is something very different, such as confirmationmanager-security.com, which is most definitely not a PayPal domain. So what forces want you to do, and it's usually you know a nice bargain on something you want is to you want to get it done quickly uh they don't want you to hesitate so what's what's um leaping out at you of the cloned you know the branding designs the stuff that you're familiar with the brands and everything looks fine everything Mm. that's in large print and color and logoed looks fine and you're not looking at the, the finer details so yeah, and it's not just about, it's certainly if you're on a payment side, it's not just about not getting what you're paying for, but they've now got your the means to steal your identity um, as lo- along with your money, uh, along with all your sensitive information. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a serious thing. So in the last week, we got advice from Simon Campbell-Young, who is co-founder of Digimoon, an authorized Norton distributor in South Africa. We, you know, these are, are, are PR uh, press releases we get, but they contain, obviously, they're, they're wanting to fund their products, but mm. we get useful info from them. And in this case, Simon says... Scammers rely on us not noticing the subtle differences in the URL or the site's design. Believing it to be real, we unknowingly enter our login information, giving scammers access to our actual accounts. Once they gain access, their first action is to usually change your password on the the legitimate website, effectively locking you out of your own account permanently. So the good news is there are ways to protect ourselves from these risks. Um, If you have clicked on a link to visit a website, you must very carefully analyze the source of the link and examine the domain name and URL as if your life depends on it. So every letter, because as you say, Woolworths, one O, we're so used to seeing it. Uh, You know, you get those- Your brain doesn't actually process what you're looking at. Those exercises when letters Mm. have been taken out of a paragraph and or put transposed and we read it perfectly, right? So anyway- um, yeah, so so do that. That's the most important thing. And uh, the URL. And then check the SSL or TLS certificate in the top left-hand corner. We used to, Don't just look at the padlock because that could be 
fake as well. It, it theoretically means that the site it's is secure. safe, mm-hmm. yeah, but it can be manipulated. So don't rely solely on the padlock and not look any further. Um, and then check out the website thoroughly. Take a look at the About Us or information pages. There will be gaps. There will be dead links. There will be spelling mistakes and all the rest. Um, so, yeah, just just um, do do those checks. Spend time. And here's the plug. There are intelligent tools such as Norton Safe Search and Norton Antivirus Protection that will um, are designed to identify unusual patterns that usually go unnoticed and bring your attention to them. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a kind of, pay, you know, investing in something that's going to do your oversight for you. But we can do it ourselves with just the habit of spending a few minutes checking, doing those checks. Wendy, thanks for uh, that. those reminders. Very important too, judging by the number of people who are WhatsApping us to tell us it's happened to them. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Call now on 021-446-0567. Right, uh, we are going to talk about uh, the car VIN number story, but first just a couple of your responses. Wendy, so many people are sharing examples of how they got caught out by the URL with one uh, one letter changed. Mm-hmm. It's quite extraordinary. And somebody has also just sent me a new version of the Doc Martens one uh, that is out oh. there, and it's Doc Martens with two Cs. Oh, the one I found so I easy saw, to miss. yes, yeah. wasn't Doc, it was... Oh, no, I can't find it again. But yeah, obviously there are multiple variations, variations on the that. Scam. Doc, Doc with two C's, Martin, yes. South Africa, okay. oh, This but, one is DocM, South Africa. Okay. The one I saw, I saw all those so they're obviously 1,400 rand boots. Changing the URL and yeah. changing, you know, tweaking, as people tweaking, become tweaking, aware pulling of it. it down, new one, mm. yeah. Okay, so interesting comment from B saying, this is why we should use company apps instead. They can't clone the app that's already on our phones. If that's you're true. operating with a, a, a service prov- a platform big enough to have its own app, that is yeah. uh, a good way to operate. But if you, the thing is Most to be... they won't be. Yeah. yeah the, the, the key advice today is if you're using a new platform that's not a big existing um, uh, platform like a Take A Lot or a Loot, etc., just be super, super careful about doing your due diligence before you share any info with them. Okay, uh, Wendy, just last month I was talking about the nefarious dealings in the second-hand car market, um, and we were talking about the new app. I think it was called Screen, which somebody had yes. launched to try and assist in doing sort of clearance checks on cars for you. But the one comment that he made is how often there's a problem of cars that had been designated as intended for scrap being touched up and put back on the market and sold as a going concern. And I believe there is a new tool that can help us do a little bit more digging to make sure that that's not happening to us. Yes, so it's uh, it's something that the industry at large, all the players have been asking the South African Insurance Association, SAIA, to do for quite some time. And they've finally announced that um, they have now launched this web-based facilities, facility rather, for consumers to check on the status of a car in the industry's vehicle salvage database, the, the VSD. Okay. They've called it VIN Lookup, one word, V-I-N-Lookup, one word. It's free to consumers. That's the good news. And the web address, as you'd expect, is VINLOOKUPSA, all one word, .co.za. Um, so you, you'll be prompted to fill in three fields on the screen. Your name and surname, your ID number, and your vi- your car's ID number, the VIN, vehicle identification number. If it's found on the database, you will see a little story about the car. Um, what sort of info will be yeah, there? It will be something like 
The vehicle was deregistered as demolished because it had irreparable structural damage that could not be repaired to a safe and roadworthy state and no major components could be used for vehicle parts. So I thought that was pretty... Um, Emphatic. Pretty, pretty um, detailed, actually. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that much. In terms of regulation, 13A, read with regulation 1 and 55, probably too much Goodness, information yeah. for the average person, of the National Road Traffic Act, Traffic Act, the vehicle shall not be registered and its parts shall not be used to build or repair any motor vehicle. So obviously, if you get that message, you know that the car that's being sold to you was not intended to be sold to anybody to yeah, drive on the roads ever together again. Yeah, and, and held together with to, string and chewing gum. Yeah, to last just a bit longer than the six-month CPA period. Perhaps. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that they felt the need to build such a tool tells us how rife the practice must be, Wendy. It is. My inbox has certainly over the years um, been uh, home to quite a few of those really sad stories. So Zeik Sondiazi, who is Saia's manager of insurance risks and asset VIN lookup, was the motor insurers, insurance industry's contribution to helping address this problem, people buying unsafe repaired cars from vehicle salvage houses. Saia urges consumers to use VIN lookup as just part of thorough research. See the theme of this show. Mm. Thorough research when buying a used car rather than treat it as a single solution to understanding the history of a vehicle. In other words, you should um, go to expert service providers, to get, you know, roadworthy test facilities, get your a trusted mechanic or one of these services um, that you pay for uh, checks with to go over the car. Um, so they, they're very at pains to say that this, this is, is not just, a fix-all. No, yeah. it's, it's one element of how you can protect yourself. Um, it's also being done in phases. So the first phase includes vehicle salvage records for Code 3 car, cars. That's a re rebuilt car. Spare parts only. That would be a Code 3A. And scrap, permanently demolished Code 4. So those are the worst. Codes 3, 3A, and 4. Um, but but the biggest category, I think, and the ones where I, that I've taken, cases where I've, that I've taken up is a Code uh, 2 car. So, in other words, Code 2 is just a used car. Okay. So, a car that's had a really bad insurance smash has sold on auction. And and there are pictures there um, of this really smashed up car. That's, and now it's, it's a case of, okay, should it have been a Code 3 or should it have been a Code 2? Because the insurance get, companies get more money for um, a Code uh, 2 car than a Code 3, right? Okay. So there's a bit of a gray area. Should it have been code, code three is only when the chassis is really messed up. So apparently some cars that are really, really smashed up can be repaired. But the point is, wouldn't you want to know a code two car that has been subject to that major accident and, yeah. you know, it's about right off and then fixed to a point of being able to be sold again. So that code two um, is apparently going to is on the way, and I think that will be will be a, a big huge boon. boon. Okay, yeah. just just a word of caution. Obviously, this any additional access to information is to be welcomed, Wendy. But important to point out, this database is only for vehicles that have an insurance history. Yes, and as the CEO of SAIA, Vivian Pearson, is quick to point out in a sort of don't get too excited about this way. Here are the stats. There are 14 million registered cars in South Africa and less than a third of them, in other words, less than 5 million of them are insured, which is a shocking statistic when you think about our risk on the road, whether yeah. we're insured or not. 
Um, so the VSD, the Vehicle Salvage Database, will likely have less than 3% of vehicles that are written off. And most of these are vehicles that can either be rebuilt or can only be used for spare parts or should be demolished. That means that access to the small database against the population of registered vehicles in South Africa is not the silver bullet, as mentioned in some reports written on this topic, naughty <laughs> journalists. <laughs> but it's still a help. And I think many, in many cases, um, the complaints I get have certainly been um, in respect of cars that were previously insured and went through the system, but the information was not available to okay. the buyer to, to know mm. that this was its history. So, yeah, as I say, when, when the Code 2 cars start coming on, um, that'll be a bit in of other a game words, the written off yeah. cars, that's a, that's a big volume. Yeah. And a lot of people are buying those cars unwittingly. I think that will help. So I hope that happens. Apparently, it's going to happen by the end of this year. Okay. So it looks like they haven't yet got the site up, Wendy. Somebody's just messaged me. They've obviously tried to go and log on, and there's still a holding pattern saying coming soon. Oh, I went earlier in the week, and it was up. So I Okay. I wonder know. if there's been a glitch that they've yeah. taken it down Sorry to fix. Sorry about that. I should have checked okay. today, but I, yeah. Um, I did go on because they gave us um, some – Examples of VIN numbers relating to cars that were that would have shown up. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, well, I'll follow that up. But it's it's I think it's they've launched it. There's obviously some little glitch, but, but it, they must but have it taken available. It, put it on pause and I for think, now. And okay. certainly, we'll come back to this topic when the written off cars, the code twos, are on the site because I really want people to know about that and okay. to. to be aware when they're buying a used car. I wonder if anybody listening has had that experience of buying a car and then finding out down oh. the line that it had, that it had in fact my most famous one, pulled over your a eyes. Fiat yeah. 500. Yeah, that ended up floating down a highway that became um, a river during flash floods in Johannesburg yeah. some years ago. Um, he bought that car. It was just on our showroom floor, a normal code two used car, and all these. I think he was from Durban, and he was driving it back from Johannesburg, where he bought it. Durban, and the electrics were all crazy, and it was just anyway. And he did. He was one of those sleuths after the fact, and yeah, he found out its history through a past owner, and 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 and, and it had been bought by someone before him from the same dealership and oh. returned for those problems, and they just put it back on the on the floor. Unbelievable. Anyway, he got he got paid out properly in the end, but that case is my. Is my signature case for this scenario. Okay. Because, Oof. I mean, the car that went for a swim and you just had no way of knowing. knowing that it had actually been yeah, mm. submerged in the water, good heavens. Okay. Uh, again, so apologies for that. So it looks like the site is down for some I'll kind of fixing it. of maintenance. But the the address you're going to be looking for is, was it Vin Lookup? Yes. Uh, sorry, Dot, I've lost the address me now. Me too. Let me just find there it. Is Vin, VinLookupSA.co.za. Yes. Okay, short break, and then we're back with some general open line questions. You can call in on 0214460567 or send a WhatsApp to 0725671567. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021-446-0567. That is the number to dial if you'd like to raise an open uh, consumer query with Wendy. I want to, though, go to two emails that have come in, both about the same uh, issue, Wendy. It's something we talk about nearly every week, and we have to talk about nearly every week because people still get it wrong. Mm -hmm. Philip writes to say, I recently purchased a cordless drill from an establishment in April for my plumbing business. Today, while using the drill, I noticed an issue with the gearbox. It appears to be stripping, prompting me to stop using it. 
Given that I operate as a one-man business, the functionality of this drill is crucial, particularly considering the power outages in my area. So I'm eager to confirm my understanding of the warranty rights uh, terms as a consumer. As per my understanding, if a product experiences a malfunction within the first six months of purchase, the consumer has the following options. One, request a full refund. Two, request a repair. Or three, request an exchange. Could you please confirm whether my interpretation is correct because I rely on this tool for my daily work? Now, the second question is a variation on that theme, but would you like to respond to that first yes. and then we'll get to the variation? He's correct, He's correct with the proviso. Um, the the Act states in Section 56, Consumer Protection Act, that is, that that's provided that the the product was used according to instructions. In other words, there's a fair use thing there. And yep. if he is using a drill that was that they state in the uh, handbook, warranty, whatever you want to call it, instructions that it's only for occasional domestic use or some words to that effect, and he's using it daily. In his, as, business. in his business, that could be something that trips him up um, when he takes back, takes it back and wants to claim one of those three R's. I'm hoping it doesn't happen. I'm hoping it doesn't apply to the drill that he bought. But I'm just saying that as a possible but for him to just check the wording in the warranty. I remember we had this case once before with a, a food processor that was exactly. being used for large quantities. A mixer. And beyond the cheapest entry-level one. and yeah. Intended for just occasional household yes. use. And another okay. example is um, I bought a bread maker recently and mm. I saw in the instructions this is for occasional domestic use, not for daily use, for example, by a and b Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Good to know. Now, the variation is Marie and Betty's Bay who... I think has had a redress foisted upon her. She says, we bought an inverter. After installation, it gave way. And the place we purchased it from has now replaced the board and told us we can collect it this week. Am I allowed to ask for a new inverter or do we have to accept the repaired inverter? She has the choice of the three R's. So a supplier will always, given the choice, they will go for a repair because it's the cheapest and uh, for them. And they, you know, they... They would obviously go for that. But yeah. within the first six months, the CPA applies and you get to choose. So and she's saying that it's already been repaired. So there yeah. obviously wasn't a conversation around her chosen redress at the time, yeah. which she wanted. Um, so I don't can't give really accurate advice now because I don't know what happened in that process, whether she said, I want, I want a replacement or I want my money back. And they said, no, we're going to repair it for you. If that's the case, then she can say, well, you can keep your repaired item. I want my money back. Um, if she agreed to a repair, then um, she still has the three months warranty on a repair. So if it breaks, and it doesn't have to be in the same way, if it breaks at all in the next three months, then the repair option is off the table. The supplier may not have a second bite at repairing at the repair cherry. Uh She then gets to choose between a replacement or a refund. So there is some protection, and it just depends what happened around how it came to be repaired um, initially. But if they didn't have that conversation with you offering you the choice, Marie, or you if she them. if she accepted it, if she, if they said, "Look, you're going to repair it," and she accepted it, then she that's she, different. She yeah. needs to know her rights as well. Then she has to accept it, and but know that if it goes wrong again in the next three months, she can then say, "Look, I want my money back." Okay, thank you for that, Wendy, and good luck to both you and Philip. Okay, I think we've got time to squeeze in one last voice note. Let's take a listen. Hello. 
Hi, Pep and Wendy. Thank you for a great show. Just a question. In our personal capacity, we can't open a bank account without jumping through about 25 hoops, uh, being a FICA registered IDs, etc., residential address, everything, just to open a bank account. How come these scammers are able to open bank accounts and then it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to try and recoup your money when you find out that they're scammers? Where are the banks in this? Why, why aren't the banks taking taking a more proactive role in this kind of activity. Thank you, Cullum. Callum, thanks. Obviously taking us back to where we started, Wendy, yes, and the, the fraudulent you. websites. Yes, and it's a question that I get asked a lot, and the short answer is money mules. It's a thing. They're part of syndicates on a massive scale. So the fraudster will pay a money mule 250 rand, say, to open an account in the money mule's name. The money mule gets recorded, etc., and... You know, a Capitec, for example, will make it very, that process very quick and easy and within the regulations and money gets paid into Money Mule's account. Fraudster pays them his cut, takes the money, mm. and that's how it works. And it's, it's um, a huge problem and, as I say, not little individuals, massive syndicates <coughs> running these Money Yo. Mules. Yeah. Thanks for that feedback, Wendy. Okay, we do need to wrap there. I just want to leave you with a reminder on how to contact Wendy if you'd like to raise a case with her. Um, Once again, it's not possible for us to cover every case or for Wendy to respond to every email because hundreds of them come in. But in order to improve your chances of being taken on, a few things to remember. Firstly, please put the words Cape Talk in the subject line of the email. You're going to direct it to consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. You're welcome to CC me as well, but your main mail is directed to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za. The other thing to remember is please include all of the information in that first email. The most frustrating thing for us is when somebody says, in an initial approach, we're having a problem with this service provider or this issue, can you help? Put it all in the first email because if we can help, Wendy often will respond and forward that email to the relevant company on the spot immediately. So make sure things like the relevant cell phone number, if it's a cell phone case, the policy number, if it's an insurance query, any kind of detail around the date of the purchase. Wendy, what else is essential? Yeah, dates, um, invoices, because that gives me all the information, what you paid, when you paid it, etc. What you paid, what you bought, details of the model. Yeah, those th- just reference details. I don't. Yeah, yeah I, it can be very concise bullet points, but I need those reference details in order to take up a case. Most people who complain about their cell phone issues, you won't believe this. Don't give me their cell phone number. There's so not that's a lot just you can such do a lot that, of wasted yeah. time. I really plead both hands together. <laughs> just think uh, uh, before you send. Have I given her all the tools she needs to help? And it increases your chances of actually getting help uh, tremendously. Thank you for that, Wendy. And thanks for all the cases you do manage to take on for our listeners. Wendy's back again next week, Wednesday, for Consumer Talk.